welcome to Parkview. You know, seriously, I mean, there's a fascination with it right now. I think our world kind of goes through phases where, you know, like nobody really cares about that stuff. And then all of a sudden somebody makes a movie or, you know, writes a book. And then everybody's fascinated in the supernatural all over again. Some of you are walking in here and you're curious. Um, and, and about the other half of you are like, whatever, none of that stuff exists. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. And that's what's beautiful about Parkview. You could come in here uh, on whatever part of the spiritual journey you're on. You can believe a whole lot of different ways about things coming in here. The one place that I hope you will land, obviously, as we get done with this series, Tim Sutherland started it last week. As we get done with this, you got to land somewhere supernatural. There's got to be supernatural because Jesus doesn't make any sense without the supernatural. Uh, memory verse for today, if you were looking for one, one of the things I think is really important from Paul, he says we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is, un, what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Okay, It's really important as we come in here that we agree that there are some things that we can't see and some things that are going on that we can't see, and we need to understand that. I believe in things that I can't see. I believe in electricity. I believe in nuclear energy. I believe in atoms. I believe in radio waves. I believe in the wind. I can't see the wind, but I can see what the wind can do. Some of you are fans of sports teams that you still have faith in, even though there is no evidence to support that. Am I right? Because there's always... Next year, right? You have faith. There's no reason to have any faith, but you have faith and you got that, right? And then there are all those stories, all those spooky things about angels and demons and supernatural stuff. And it's a little bit spooky. We're talking about angels and demons. I just want to get your opinion. Where do you think we should start? Who wants to have angels first? Talk about, raise your hand. Who wants to have demons first? Okay, how many of you angel people think the demon people are a little Marilyn Manson crazy right now? So, yeah, we're going to do angels, okay, because we're in church and we should start there. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of messed up. We showed that montage earlier about the, you know, the, the, the people that have messed up ideas of what angels are, right? A lot of people think angels have British accents because they watch Touched by an Angel for like seven years in a row. And, you know, you got the Clarence thing and you got the cartoon thing with the halos and the clouds. And one guy told me he thought his wife was an angel because she was always up in the air harping about something. I, I don't know. Here's what we here's, here's some things that we do know about angels. Let's start there. Let's start with that news. Um, you're not going to be an angel. Sometimes people are like, oh, when you die, you're going to be an angel. You know, my my grandma's an angel up in heaven watching over me. I mean, she's in heaven watching over you, but she's not an angel. Angels were specifically created beings. And we don't know what they look like. I mean, there's some stuff in Revelation, but we don't know what they look like specifically. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that sometimes they're among us. Abraham uh, had these three visitors and he was hospitable to them and he took care of them. And, and, and all of a sudden it turned out that they were they were angels. And as a matter of fact, the New Testament has this really weird verse. The writer of Hebrews says, don't forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have actually entertained angels without knowing it. Isn't that crazy? I mean, if some of you have got some stories, I've heard them. You've been, you've been writing them in during this series. I might be an angel. You, you don't know. So don't. Don't be sending me emails about doing Charlie Daniels band. All right. I don't care. All right. I might. The thing is, we don't know much about angels, but here's a few things that we do know. Here's what they're supposed to do. This is what's important. First thing is you might want to just jot these things down. The first things angels do is they direct. They direct. Okay. The word angel literally means messenger. So most of the time when an angel showed up in the Bible, it was to give somebody a message. Most famous example, Christmas time. Right. Do not be afraid, Mary, the angel said, you will be with child. And by the way, here's his name. 
Okay, the angel directed that they brought the greatest message ever that a savior had been born and and directed him. Okay, my other favorite direct. I mean, there's a bunch of them in the Bible, but my other favorite is the story of Balaam, the prophet who God was trying to get to do something. And Balaam wasn't paying attention to God. And he sent an angel and Balaam just didn't see the angel either. He wasn't paying attention to the angel. And, And he was going along a path that God didn't want him to go on. And so God put an angel in the path. And Balaam didn't see the angel, but the donkey did. And the donkey kept stopping, and he kept beating the donkey, and the donkey kept running into the wall, and he kept beating the donkey. The angel didn't want to go because he saw the the donkey didn't want to go because he saw the angel, and Balaam just kept beating the donkey. And finally, it's one of the greatest stories in the Bible. It's one of those Disney moments. God gives the donkey the ability to speak. Numbers twenty two thirty, and the don- it's, that's not the funny part. The funny part is what the donkey says, because it's like God gives the donkey the gift of speech and sarcasm, just just like He did me. Am I not your own donkey, <laughs> which you have been riding to this day? Am I in the habit of doing this? The donkey says, you know, stopping, running you into the wall. Can you look up and see the angel, you dork? Can't you figure out what's going on here? I mean, don't you just picture Robin Williams doing the voiceover for this? I love this. And it's a thought that I think about every time I get ready to come out and preach. You know, it helps me to relax because if God can use an, well, sometimes you just want to use the King James, but if God can use a donkey, he'll probably be okay using me. You know what I'm saying? If God can use a donkey, he can use you. You don't have to worry about it. If God's going to do it, he can make things happen. And the angel redirects Balaam. That's what angels do, number one, is they direct. Number two is they protect. They protect. They can protect. The apostle Peter's in prison, and um, and an angel comes and breaks him out. And he doesn't really realize it. He thinks he's having a vision. But later on, it says in Acts chapter 12, he looks back on the experience, and he says, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me. I know that without a doubt that an angel was there. Peter knew this. And who knows? There may have been times in your life when you were protected by an angel. You don't know that. As a matter of fact, statistics show 55% of the people in the United States not only believe in angels, but believe that an angel has actually helped them. And many of you have stories of somebody showing up and then all of a sudden they were gone. And, and, and you know, we don't, we don't know. I mean, I don't want to make it spooky, but they're there. That's what they're there for. They're there to direct us. They're there to protect us. And thirdly, they're there to strengthen us. When Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days, it says angels came and ministered to Jesus. When he's at the Garden of Gethsemane and he's thinking about going to the cross and he's, he's trying to figure out what to do and he's under so much pressure that he's sweating drops of blood, it says an angel came and strengthened him. That's what they were there for. That's what they did. I was reading the Old Testament this week about Elijah. Elijah has this great experience of Fire coming down from heaven and proving God to be the almighty God over the false prophets of Baal. And then he has this experience of running faster than a chariot to get ahead of a storm that's coming in. And he has all this great stuff going on. And then for some reason, he gets depressed and and he's like bummed out and he's hanging out and he's waiting around to die. And he just gets depressed. I mean, sometimes you go through the ups of life and you go through the downs of life. And after all that, he's in the downs of life. And it says that an angel came to him and not only came to him to strengthen him, but the angel, it says, baked him bread over hot coals. I mean, literally an angel made him lunch. Is that amazing? I mean, I look back and and I think about things. And some of you, again, some of you have stories. I look back and, and who knows? 
I don't know how many times that God has sent an angel to protect me. Maybe Amy Grant had an old song way back in the day, you know, maybe the car ran out of gas before it hit me or whatever. Maybe, maybe God's doing a lot of things out there through angels that we don't know about. Here's the important point. I don't know if I've been touched by an angel or not. And it's okay that I not know because it's not about knowing if an angel directed or protected or strengthened me on God's behalf. Sometimes they do. Sometimes God works through angels. Sometimes he doesn't. We don't know that. I don't know if I've ever seen an angel except for my wife. I don't know that, but I believe that they are there because here's what Hebrews tells me. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Are you going to inherit salvation? Because I am. I hope you are. You can. If you're, if you're going to inherit salvation, there are angels around sent to strengthen you. Billy Graham calls angels God's secret agents. You don't need to know about them. You don't need to recognize them. It doesn't matter. They're there. There's a supernatural realm that is there to help us. All right? Demon people. Where are my demon people? Where are you evil demon people? Okay, let me talk about demons for a little bit. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a Sox fan for more than the obvious reasons. Okay? I'm a, I'm a Sox fan for more than the obvious reasons because we have a coach that goes to Parkview that is one of the White Sox coaches. His name's Mike Gellinger. He's one of the uh, he's one of the coaches. Sometimes he takes third. Sometimes he's in. The, usually he's in the clubhouse because he is um, the the scouting analyst. They call him the computer scouting analyst for the White Sox. Mike's job, Gelly's job, is to know more about Major League Baseball players than anybody on the planet. And he studies film, and he watches them, and he's really a smart guy, and he watches what's going on. So when somebody gets out to get, gets ready to go up and bat, to bat, Mike says, okay, watch this pitcher. 75% of the time, he throws a slider for his first pitch, so be looking for a slider. That's important, important to know. Okay, The reason the White Sox won the World Series is because of Mike Gellinger, I'm telling you. And when when a hitter goes up, when a, when a pitcher goes up, he's like, you know, don't throw this guy low and away because he likes to hit him low and away. And all that knowledge is given through Mike. He's the analyst for that thing. So what I'm doing here with this whole angels and demons thing is I'm your computer scouting analyst, okay, for, for the supernatural. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help you to understand that. And the truth is when it comes to the demon thing, it could be really confusing. Now, how do I know what is mental illness? How do I know what is, uh, you know, demon possession? I mean, there, there's all of those questions all rolled up into one. Let me just illustrate it for you for a couple of passages from the life of Jesus. Matthew 4. People soon began bringing him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. So it doesn't matter to Jesus what the deal is because he could just heal them all. Matthew 8. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. And he cast evil spirits out of them with a simple command, and he healed the sick. Luke chapter 4. Once when he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, began shouting at Jesus. All of these things happen. And Mark chapter 5 is one of my favorite stories. Because there's this guy that's possessed not only by one demon, but by multiple demons. I talked about Mary Magdalene having, having had seven demons at some point. Somehow you can have more than one. And this guy, this guy was, he was from the region of Gadara and he was so strong because he was, in, he was inhabited by demons that they tried to chain him up and he would break the chains. He was like this, he was like this Dr. Banner, incredible Hulk kind of a guy that they just couldn't contain. So the whole area is afraid to go into the cemetery because this crazy, naked, demonic Hulk guy is in this cemetery. So Jesus and the disciples they come to the region of Gadara, Matthew 5 says, at night. 
you got to pay attention to the Bible because this is really important. If I'm going to go meet a demon-possessed Hulk crazy dude, I'm going at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going at night. I mean, this is like the setup. This is like, this is like you know, those horror movies where you're like, don't go back into the cabin. Your friend just got murdered, you idiot. I mean, this is the same thing. I imagine Jesus is just walking into, you know, the cemetery, and, and his disciples are like, Jesus, it's nighttime, and you heard about that guy. And Jesus is like, I don't care. Let's go. And he goes in, and all of a sudden, this guy pops out. This is an unbelievably great story. This It's in Mark 5. This guy pops out at Jesus and goes, Rah! I don't know what he did. He, it's not in the Bible, but I'm I'm pretty sure he went, ah. And Jesus just calmly says, hey, what's your name? And the man says, I am legion, for we are many. <laughs> pretty good, huh? And Jesus is not scared at all. And he's like, okay, whatever. Poof. He casts all the demons. We don't know how many there were. All the demons out of this guy and he makes him go into a herd of pigs. And the pigs go crazy and run and jump off a cliff. It's an unbelievable... It's in Mark 5. Read the Bible, man. It's awesome. They fall off a cliff. Deviled ham, ladies and gentlemen. Right there. It's awesome. Now, the, now the problem with the whole thing is... The problem is there's a lot of misconceptions about this whole deal as well. You know? I, I mean... One of the questions is, can you be possessed by a demon? Not if you're a believer in Jesus. No, you can't. I mean, a lot of people are like, you know, I saw the exorcist and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to get possessed. And, and, you know, is that is that going to happen? And how do again, how do I know what's a mental illness and what's, you know, demon possession? And it's a fair question. I actually did some reading uh, by a real life Roman Catholic exorcist from California named Gary Thomas. This is what he does. And he says, this is what I liked about him. You can believe whatever you want to believe. What he says is whenever he is invest, asked to investigate a possible demon possession, he always first gets a psychiatric medical opinion. Because most of the time, he says, what's going on is a psychological condition, and a lot of times it's a result of alcohol or drug abuse. Okay? He says when there's actual drug, demon possession, which by all accounts is rare, especially in the U.S., it is not something that can happen against your will. Okay? As a matter of fact, there's a couple of scriptures that I really want, just want to jump over on right now. First Corinthians, Paul says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Oh, if you got the Holy Spirit, if you believe in Jesus is Lord, then, then the demons can't do that. So let's just all get on this. On the count of three, everybody say Jesus is Lord. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. Okay. You're not, you're all unpossessed okay you're not possessed by demon i guarantee you because there's no way there's no way the holy spirit can live inside of you and a demon at the same time you understand this right plus the best verse one of the best verses in the bible is first corinthians 4 or first john 4 4 greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world all right and in that same interview father thomas um was asked well what should we do if we want to stay away from the evil and demon possession and demon activity and he said, well, I mean, he didn't say duh, but I'm going to say it. Duh, stay away from psychics and Ouija boards and seances and Wicca and earth worship and witchcraft and spells and cats. <laughs> I added the last thing, but to stay away from things that are from Satan. That's what you should stay away from. When, when, when I used to, my wife and I used to live in Tinley Park back in the day, 
um, this is probably 93, I'm going to guess, something along now, a long time ago. It's really funny because people may be in the church now. I had this weird experience. I was, it was a Saturday. I was out in my yard mowing the yard or doing something. And all of a sudden, one of our elders' kids who lived close to me, who was probably sixth or seventh grade as I remember it, him and a friend came racing down from his house, which was a couple blocks away, came racing down on their bikes, and they came and they, and they, they, they grabbed me and they said, hey, we were just playing with the Ouija board, and it moved. And I'm like, okay, 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 calm down. Don't worry about it. You know, you're, you believe in Jesus, right? You know, I didn't know the other kid, but I'm like, you believe in Jesus, right? You don't have to worry about it. The demon's not going to do anything to you. But listen, don't throw that thing away. You don't want to be messing with that stuff. There's really a devil. There's really demons. There really is evil, and there really is good, and you need to decide which side you're going to be on. I went back to doing what I was doing about half hour later, the cops showed up at my door. I'm not making this up. They, they came up to me and they said, did you just tell some kids there was a devil? I'm like, that's my job. And they, were, they proceeded to give me a really hard time about the fact that I had scared this kid. I'm like, I wasn't playing with the Ouija board. They asked me what I thought. I said they were safe, and there is a devil, so don't play with it. He went home and told his parents. They called the cops on me. I went and tried to talk to the parents, and they wouldn't even talk to me. They were so mad at me. Listen, you, you need to understand this, okay? There really is a devil. It's my job to tell you that, okay? And there really are demons, and they really are out there. The, on, on the one side, it's really dumb to try to, to say, well, there's none of that spirit of darkness stuff out there. There's none of that stuff going on. It's dumb because it's obviously there. On the other hand, it's just as dumb to attribute everything that goes on in your life to, you know, a demon or demonic activity. Oh, I got a flat tire. I have the flat tire demon, you know. Oh, man, I got it, you know. No, you ran over a nail, okay? That, that's what happened. There's a, there was a commercial I really wanted to play, and they said I couldn't do it. Dirt Devil. It's for Dirt Devil. It's the Exorcism Dirt Devil commercial, if you want to look it up later. And it's really creepy and scary. And, and, and this, they call this exorcist into this house, and there's all this, you know, this creepy music going on. And he comes in the house, and you hear this girl screaming up in her room, ah! It's just creepy music. And he opens the door, and this girl is on the ceiling, like in The Exorcist. And she's going back and forth on the ceiling, and it's really, really creepy. And then all of a sudden, fun music comes on, and they pan up to the floor above her. And there's this little old lady with a dirt devil vacuum cleaner vacuuming back and forth. Because she'd suck the girl up, and, you know, she's just going back and forth. And the tagline is, you know when it's the devil. It's a great commercial. Sometimes it's just a vacuum. Okay, sometimes it's just a nail. You don't always need some kind of a creepy explanation for everything. But so I can be the proper computer scouting analyst for you. Let me explain a couple of things about demons, because I think it's really important. Uh, first of all, God did not create them to be demons. They started out as angels. Uh, Jude tells us the, they were angels who did not keep their position, but left their proper dwelling. Peter says they were angels who sinned, who were cast down. Okay? The short version of the story is Satan was an archangel up in heaven way before time existed. And for some reason, he decided that he wanted to be in charge instead of God. And that's never a good idea. And he, but somehow, in the rebellion, he included, the Bible tells us, he got a third of the angels to come and follow him and try to lead the rebellion. Okay, should have figured out the odds. One third versus two thirds. Satan versus God. Stupid. And and he got kicked out of heaven. And God said, you know what? 
no, you're not going to hang around here anymore. You can't be in my perfect place anymore. You've got to go away. And he kicked him out. And now Satan and his demons, the angels who were following him, are now kicked out of heaven. And we're all kicked out of heaven, not, not for long because of Jesus Christ, but we can't be around a perfect God either because we belong to a sinful nature and because we live on this earth that is cursed by sin. That's where we were born into. We don't have any choice about that. Someday we're going to leave this and we're going to go to that place because of the cross, because of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. But, but right now we're all living in kind of the same deal. We all live in this place where we wish that we could be with God, but we can't be. And those demons and Satan, they want to keep as many people away from God as they possibly can. And here's what they do. I don't believe that you need to worry. If you were in another country, this would be a different sermon. But in the United States of America, I don't believe you need to worry about demons coming in and, you know, making your clock spin around or knock books off their shelf or worry about any of that kind of stuff. Because, frankly, if demons did that kind of stuff to us, it would draw us closer to God. I'd be, we'd all be running to God in a big hurry, right, if that stuff was going on. So I think what demons do for us is different. And it's something even more subtle. And this is why I need to be your computer scouting analyst. The first thing they do is they distract you. Fascinating book, if you ever want to read it, one of the great intellects of the 20th century, C.S. Lewis. Uh, he wrote this book, this fictional book called The Screwtape Letters, which is basically a book that was written by Screwtape, who is a head demon, to one of his under demons named Wormwood. And, and he just writes to this demon about how to be a good demon and trip up the Christians that are alive in that day. And for example, one of the things Screwtape tells Wormwood is that the busier he can make someone, the more distracted they will be and the farther they will stay away from God. As a matter of fact, there's an old saying they used to use. It said, when the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. You ever heard that? I mean, think about it. Uh, really, seriously. I mean, if, 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 if a demon showed up and, 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 and threw your sister up on the ceiling and she was going back and forth, uh, you, would, you would immediately turn to God. But if a demon can show up and say, hey, you don't have time for God today. You don't have time to go to church. You don't have time to read his Bible. You don't have the time to do that because you're busy. You're doing all this other stuff over here. Which one's going to work? The distraction's going to work. You don't need to worry about the weirdo supernatural stuff. You need to think about who's running your life and what's going on and what's making things happen. He distracts. The second thing he does is he oppresses. I don't believe that very many, you know, I don't believe that I've ever known anybody that was possessed by a demon, but I, I know there have been times in my life when I've been oppressed by, by spiritual activity, by spiritual warfare. Uh, there's a writer called uh, John Eldridge. He and his wife were having marital problems, and they finally came to the conclusion that every time they went into their bedroom, they felt like there was, there was this demonic activity that was going on there. And so they prayed, and they asked God to deliver them from that place. And, and I don't know how all that stuff works, but I know there have been times in my life, and there, there, there are times when just oppression, and sometimes, yes, it is a psychological issue, and sometimes there are other things that are going on, but sometimes that oppression you feel is just the demons just trying to trip you up. And the third thing is discouragement. This is one I think Satan and his minions love. They like to oppress, they like to distract, but they love to discourage us. Because they know that the closer we get to God, the more relief we're going to find for the problems that we have. So they're going to do anything they can to discourage us. If you're trying to live for God, they're going to make you feel worthless. They're going to make you feel hopeless. They're going to keep bringing up the past. Can I just ask you something? Who do you think keeps bringing up the past to you? Is it God? 
Because I can tell you the answer is unequivocally no, it's not God. God doesn't remember your past. The Bible says he throws it in the deepest part of the ocean. And every time it comes back up and you go, hey, yeah, God, I'm sorry when I did this. He's like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but okay, can we start over again? It is the spiritual darkness that is bringing your past back up and trying to make you feel guilty and trying to make you feel like less of a person. It is the forces of evil that want to trip you up from your mission and help you, keep you from reclaiming this world for the forces good. I mean, that's really the truth. The Bible talks a lot about the unseen spiritual world that's going on, but it's an unseen spiritual war that's going on. And it's a war for your heart. You don't need to be freaked out about it or wonder about all the weird stuff. You just need to know that if you're moving towards freedom or life or God, you are going to be opposed by the devil and the people who don't want you to find that. And that'll happen in your marriage. It'll happen in friendships. It'll happen in the way you view yourself, young people. This world, it's not just the world that's trying to tell you that you don't look good enough or you don't weigh the right weight or you don't have the right clothes or you don't, you're not all that. It's not just the world doing that. That's the forces of darkness that are trying to make you feel bad about yourself. God made you who you are. He loves who you are. He wants you to love yourself. He thinks you're awesome. He thinks you're beautiful. Who, who are you going to listen to? The thief wants to take your story and he wants to twist it around and make it wrong. He wants to take who you knew you could be and twist it around so that that never happens. So there's a lot at stake in this, okay? And how else do you explain it? There's either spiritual warfare or we're all stupid. So you decide which way you want to go with this. Because I don't know about you, the Apostle Paul said it himself. I don't know about you, but I keep doing dumb things that I know I shouldn't do. Does that happen to anybody else? Anybody? Okay. Are we stupid or is somebody trying to get us to do that? I mean, I really believe, let's give us, let's give us all the benefit of the doubt. I really have to believe in the forces of darkness. Otherwise, we're all just dumber than snot. Cause I, I don't understand. When I hear about people blowing up their lives, when I do things to blow up my life, when I do say things that are dumb, when I do things that are dumb, I'm smarter than that. There's somebody that's tripping me up. There's a battle that's going on, okay? And you need to understand that. I don't have to know whether it's spooky or weird or anything else. I know that if I'm dealing with resentment or I'm dealing with lust or dishonesty or gossip or pettiness or whatever, I don't need to worry about whether that's a demon that's causing that to happen. I just know that there are forces of darkness that oppose me. All That's all there is to it. So if I recognize that and I understand that, then I can go back to the forces of good in my Savior Jesus Christ and realize that in God's power and in God's spirit, I am not subject to those forces anymore. Ephesians 6 tells us, Ephesians 6 tells us, we do not wrestle with flesh and flesh and blood alone. I mean, yeah, we struggle. We struggle with flesh and blood, but it's not that alone. We also struggle with the principalities and the powers of this world. And this fight is going on. Look at this next verse. This is awesome. But Jesus disarmed those forces. Colossians 2, you were dead because of your sins, but God made you alive in Christ. He forgave your sin. He canceled the record of charges against you. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. I've read that a lot of times. But listen to this next verse. He disarmed the spiritual rulers in authority by his victory over them on the cross. They are disarmed. They have no weapon over you that can win. You just got to decide who you're going to follow. You just got to decide what side you're going to be on. 
After trying, and you gotta quit trying to fix yourself. That's what I do. Quit trying to do it yourself and realize, hey, there, there are bigger forces out there than me. Knock off the I'll figure it out by myself thing and, and go back to your knees and say, God, I need you to protect me. I need your power. I don't care whether you send angels or your Holy Spirit, which I'm going to talk about next week, or what it is that you do, but I need your help because I realize this battle is bigger than me. Okay? There's a fascinating story in Acts chapter 19 about these guys, the sons of Sceva. They're these guys who, they're, they're watching Paul cast out demons and they're, they're seeing the apostles do all this stuff and have all this authority and all this power. And they're, I don't know if they believe in Jesus or not, but they decide to go in. And, well, we don't know the whole story. They decide to go in to this guy's house who's demon possessed and cast out these demons. Yeah, okay. And they, so they go into this place and this guy is demon possessed and, and they say, they, they say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, it's awesome. I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them. Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And he proceeded to open up a can on him and beat him so bad that they ran naked and bleeding from the house because they took a whooping from the demon-possessed guy. Why? Because they were trying to do it. I mean, I just give you that because you try to do this spiritual warfare in your own power. It's not going to work. Well, in the name of Jesus, whom Tim preached about this weekend, I command you. No, just just you and Jesus have a relationship. That's what you need. You and Jesus get hooked up. You and Jesus have a relationship. You and Jesus talk and you ask Jesus directly. It's not about anything else, okay? It's about you and Jesus directly. I know you're trying to do this massive thing and fix your marriage. I know you're trying to do this thing with your business. Maybe it's a ministry that you're trying to do. Maybe it's your finances. You know, we talk about tithing around here. The reason that we believe in tithing is so that you're proving to God that you really believe that he's in control of your finances. All of those things. You say, okay, God, this is your problem, not mine. I'm going to do what I can. But I believe in the supernatural power of your spirit and of your power, and I'm going to let that happen. And I believe that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Again, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit more next week. Until then, um, I just what I want to do is, I know we've opened up some stuff for you. We're going to have some pastors available, some prayer partners available at the front up here. If you uh, want to talk to somebody, pray with somebody after this is over, there'll be people up here waiting for you. I want to go back to our memory verse, and then I'm going to ask a prayer over you, and we're going to have communion. Let me go back to that memory verse one more time. So we fix our eyes. Fix our eyes. This is what I'm going to ask you to do right now. I want you to fix your eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I'm going to pray for us right now. I'm going to ask God to come into our life in a very, very powerful way. And then we're going to spend a moment in worship because I thought, you know, it would be really good for us just to spend a moment in worship and song and just 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 listen to the words of this song and, and praise God for a moment. And then we'll have communion. Let me pray for us first. Lord God, I I uh, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a I'm, I'm not a priest. I'm just a just a guy who is called by you to be. Your servant, but right now I know that the power is greater in me than he is in the world, and I'm going to call upon that power. And in the name of Jesus Christ, whom I preach and whom I love and whom we all love in this room right now, who we all claim as Lord, 
I, I ask you to come against the powers of darkness that are represented in the people in this room. For anybody represented by Parkview, period, whatever, anybody in our families, Lord, we pray that you will deliver them from, from the darkness, that you will deliver them. Maybe some of them are being oppressed right now. Maybe many of us are being distracted right now. Many, many maybe have walked into this room discouraged. And I don't know if it was a demon or just, just evil in, in some way or another that's come into their life, that, that somehow Satan's come into their life to tell them they're not good enough, they can't do this, that they don't deserve to be here. Lord, we confess, all of us, that we are not good enough to be here. And right now we're going to worship you because we believe that you are good and we're going to fix our eyes on the things that we can't see. We're going to know that those things are eternal. And we're going to believe in our heart. We're going to have faith in the power that comes from on high that we don't understand. And I just pray that you will come against whatever it is, whatever demonic activity, whatever satanic activity, whatever oppression, whatever things are going on in the people's lives in this room and those that are represented by us in any way, that you would release them from what's going on in the name of Jesus Christ because we believe that he is greater than he who is in the world. And we're going to call upon him right now as we sing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. That's really the essence of it, the gospel. If our God is for us, who can be against us? Let's pray. God, as we commune with you right now, and Jesus, as we come before you right now, acknowledging that you are the Lord of the universe, um, we said a minute ago, you're Lord, with our, with our mouths and most of us meant it. Maybe there's some people that just kind of said it because they felt like they were supposed to. Maybe there's some people that it actually came out of their mouth for the first time in a really long time. I, I don't know where everybody is, Lord. I don't know where they're at in their journey. Glad they're here. Now, they may not agree with us or me on this whole supernatural thing. I get all that. Right now, just asking you and them to have a conversation. Because if my God is for me, nobody can be against me. And that is the way that I get through this life. Because I know that you are greater. And I know that whenever the problems come, I know that I've got... I'm on the right side. I've got, I've got the strongest force in the universe that is in me, with me. And Jesus, as we take communion right now, there are going to be people maybe that haven't done it in a long time, maybe they've never done it. This is an opportunity for them to open up to you and say, Jesus... I don't get all this. I don't understand it all, but I know I need help. I know I need you to be my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to let you in. Maybe the people in this room need to follow you in baptism, as many have done already tonight. Lord, whatever it is, we're coming to you right now, admitting that we need help, admitting that we're not smart enough because we keep making the same dumb mistakes. And maybe it's not because we're dumb. Maybe it's because there's somebody out there who's trying to trip us up. So we're coming to you right now acknowledging the fact that we need help, we need a Savior, we need forgiveness, and we want to take communion with you right now and acknowledge the fact that you are Lord. And we ask you to be with us as we do this in Jesus' name.